Welcome to The Forest Garden, a podcast for gardeners who want to upgrade their landscapes into biodiverse food forest systems. Happy New Year, everyone. Today's episode is our first episode of season three of the podcast. We're coming to you live from an unusually mild and rainy January in New England and an especially rainy January in California where Ben lives. To help mitigate some of this winter gloom we've been feeling, we came up with a curated list of documentaries to help you get through the next few months. From industrial scale pollination to fruit hunting and living soil, the topics we cover today are wide ranging. So get nice and cozy with your favorite blanket or hot cocoa and stick with us. So documentaries. What was the first documentary that you watched that was related to anything permaculture or food or environmental? Well, I guess it would start with environmental and it was Chasing Ice, which was a documentary I saw in undergrad and it uh, was about the climate emergency and it made me change my degree. It was in like either a soils class or like a geology class and the the professor just I don't know, maybe he was hungover or something, but he wanted to have like a chill day. And so we watched Chasing Ice, but... Uh, <laughs> when, like when, when the teacher puts on a, a movie for the day, you know, maybe maybe the movie's more for them than it is for you. Yeah, but it was great. It really, it totally motivated me to... It, it basically just showed that like imagery is more powerful than words. Like the... Oh, yeah. The scientist was like also... He was a photographer and a scientist. And he just talked about how a lot of times his images made more of an impact on people than any of the academic writing and research that he did. So... I believe it. And, and music too, it, when it, when it gets used correctly in these documentaries can be very influential on the impact that it has on people. Like there's one in particular that we'll, we'll talk about today that has such a good soundtrack, even just like the trailer for the, for the documentary, it just gets me fired up. Like it makes me want to go plant something <laughs> just, just because of the music. Yeah. I mean, it's also just kind of a, a great winter activity, you know, there's just something about kind of, cozying up next to a fire and Mm -hmm. delving into some of these docs that we're going to recommend. And it gets you so excited for the, for the growing season. It's like during the growing season, you don't have any time to actually, to, to really watch this, this kind of content. So it's, I don't know, it's fitting. It's timely. I guess I'll start us off. I have set the different docs that I want to talk about into like different areas of study or whatever separated like there's a few about mushrooms there's more there's a few that are about like regenerative agriculture and soil health and like regenerative practices related to soil some generic farming some stuff that has to do with more with bees and then permaculture and then just general climate where do you think we should start i think it all starts with the soil yeah that's a that's a good point okay so there's a few different documentaries that all address they're all very similar. The most recent one that is probably the most well-known or popular on this topic is Kiss the Ground, which came out in 2020, mm-hmm. and it's on Netflix. It's there permanently. If you have Netflix, you can watch it at any time. And it's got Woody Harrelson. I, I have seen it, and I know the creator, Finian Makepeace. Woody Harrelson's in it, too? Yeah, yeah, Woody Harrelson. So Woody Harrelson does the, the narration. I don't know. I'm a woody harrelson fan so that was an extra like but i didn't wait you said you know the creator well um we kind of have a similar backstory because the creator of that film finney and make peace used to be a while well, he was on america's got talent 
I believe, is or one of the the music competition shows. Um, so he, he used to be in the music industry, like a full time musician or producer or something like that, and then decided to. I'm probably missing a little bit of his story, but decided to make a change and and start making films and doing activism. And so I, we kind of followed a similar similar path. But yeah, that's that's a great great movie, and it does seem like there's a certain type of celebrity that decides to collaborate on some of these films with these various directors and documentarians. The documentaries just has a really important message about the importance of our soil and how tilling is a really terrible extractive process. And it's, it's kind of a good place to start. It's a good place that it's, it's a documentary that can definitely sort of interest some family members who might not be interested in the topic. Maybe if like some of our listeners are really invested in this sort of stuff, but their partner isn't or their friends aren't. It's a good entry point. Yeah, it's a good entry point. It's, you know, it's on Netflix. Lots of people have Netflix or know someone that has it. It's a good general summation of a, of a lot of different topics that can be more in-depth and specific in some of the other documentaries we'll talk about. But aside from Kiss the Ground, there's three other documentaries that are very, very similar, but a little bit different, and were released earlier to Kiss the Ground. Kiss the Ground is like the most recent documentary addressing this topic, but it doesn't mean that the other ones aren't valuable to see also. One of those is Symphony of the Soil, which came out back in 2012, and it's usually available on YouTube. I'm not sure about other streaming services. There's also a documentary called Living Soil, which came out in 2018. Pretty sure that's also available on YouTube. And then lastly, Regreening the Desert with John D. Liu, which came out back in 2012. And that's a pretty interesting one. Well, I know he, he did he did a documentary, and it might have been Regreening the Desert. That might have been the one I'm thinking of, the Los Plateau in China. Yeah, that's, exa- that's exactly what this documentary is, yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like I watched it a long time ago. But yeah, that one and then, yeah, the Jeff Lawton Greening the Desert films, too, were pretty influential to me, too. Just a, the idea that, like, you can sh- reshape the landscape and allow nature to come back and restore itself just by us making some... I mean, yes, you might be using some, like, heavy machinery, but oh, in some cases, not even machinery, just, like, manual labor. But you're, you know, creating swales, you're reshaping the the way water flows on the landscape. And in some cases it can be a relatively minor change, but it's a very strategic, you know, plan that's put in place. And then it has all these like downstream ripple effects for the next couple decades or centuries really that harvest the water more efficiently and allows the, the plants to grow better. And I mean, it's basically site engineering at scale, which is like when a, when a house is built, you know, they have to engineer the site so that the water doesn't flow into your basement. But this is, at just you know hundreds of thousands of acres of land that is being terraced and mm-hmm. it was it was land that was overgrazed from millennia of farmers bringing animals onto the landscape and it led to a lot of soil erosion and it's really incredible to see this, the transformation that can happen with real like planning and design and a lot of labor <laughs> a lot you know there's there's maybe some parts of, of it that are a little problematic i haven't done like really in-depth research into you know where that labor came from and whatnot but but the transform the transformative process that happens in terms of you know this desert transforming into a lush vegetated landscape and potentially productive landscape was really incredible so so that's kind of that's kind of it for the soil and the regenerative ag stuff there are other documentaries about regenerative practices in general that we'll talk about but specifically related to the soil 
start with Kiss the Ground and then maybe check out some of the others. The The message is pretty much the same for all of them, but they each approach it in a slightly different way. What should we talk about next? Mushrooms, farming, bees, permaculture, or climate? I think we just move our way up the, uh, the food chain. So we have soil, and then let's move to the... Well, maybe mushrooms, since they're the decomposer, should be last. We go soil to... Let's go farming next. Okay. So this is just one film that I have to recommend. And it's about regenerative farming, but it's also... It's probably, like, the, the documentary that shows closest to conventional practices that we're recommending. It's The Biggest Little Farm, which came out in 2018. It's gotten like wildly popular. I mean, you could bring this up at a dinner party and your aunt will be like, oh my God, I loved it. You know, it's like, it's, uh, yeah. it's got some, some elements to it that definitely harp on cute animals and people's relationships with animals. And overall, the, the thing that I think that it really shows people is how hard it is to be a farmer. I mean, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast might be inspired to change up their life and take on farming at any scale and it is it can be intensive i mean it can be really really hard and not it's not an easy life as the as the documentary shows and as i don't know people who are very close to me in my life could 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 talk about it's you know it can be really stressful and really defeating and uh sometimes there's a silver lining at the end and sometimes there isn't but yeah the biggest little farm it's available on rotational streaming but i I think i saw it on amazon prime and it might at the time of this release it might be on there but most of the documentaries that we're talking about today just get shifted around from one streaming service to the next so the time that you listen to this podcast it might not be available on the one we talk about it on did you did you see that the biggest little farm you know i hadn't and and i'm glad you mentioned that it does show the the more difficult side of starting your own own farm because that was the one criticism i heard of that movie it was really popular but I heard someone say that, it, yeah, they had some, they showed like them having problems like slugs on their plants and then they brought in ducks and then all the slugs went away, but it, it was more of like they oversimplified the problems and oversimplified the solutions, but maybe that person was just jaded. So it sounds like they actually did show, you know, the, the highs and the lows of, of starting your own farm. Well, uh, that's an interesting, that's an interesting comment. I don't, I don't know if, I mean, it's possible that that person was right and they did oversimplify it, but also, I mean, it's a, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a documentary that is, has to be less than two hours for someone to be able to be engaged. So, yeah, so that's true. You got to get the gist of it. I guess I'll have to rewatch it and, and kind of look through, look at it through that lens. But even if it, like the, the fact that it's that even like your aunt at Thanksgiving watches it though, it is a good thing. It's like, even if it's not the perfect film, it's, if it is able to reach more people with a, a good message and or or show people other options of ways they could be living their lives, I think it's effective. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's also the same deal with Kiss the Soil, where it's one that you can show to people who are not super down the rabbit hole of the types of things that we talk about on this podcast. It's sort of like an entry level kind of thing that talks about regenerative practices. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they do like vermicompost at this like massive scale where they have like an entire, they build an entire facility to make compost tea. Oh, nice. They use cover crops. Their property is designed in this beautiful way that is reminiscent of, you know, a a permaculture orchard design. And there's just all these different types of fruit trees. And really, I mean, really they show 
at every step of the way, they're like, okay, we planted all these fruit trees and almost all the fruit is being eaten by starlings. And then we're going to, how are we going to combat that issue? And, ah. you know, they build owl boxes for barn owls to try to bring down the vole population. And it really kind of, without specifically screaming it from the rooftops, a lot of it is is kind of drawing back to these problem and solution permaculture design concepts and regenerative concepts. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely one to check out. I should watch that one. I'm going to add one in here that's that's not necessarily farming category, but in the food production category. One of the books that in they they made a film after the book came out that got me into just researching food plants of the world was called The Fruit Hunters, and it's like an amazingly written book by Adam Leith Gullner about the not just the the breadth and the scope of all of the interesting food plants around the world, specifically fruits, but also the people that go and chase them and hunt them down and, and become obsessed with them like you and I are, but some people who have been doing this for, you know, their entire lives. And so he goes and interviews them, goes around the world, visiting all these farms. And so they made a documentary too, that wasn't necessarily following him as he was writing this book, but the documentary does interview some of the people that, Adam includes in his book and some of the fruits that he and highlights some of the fruits. Like for example, there's this at the end of the, the film, they follow Dr. Richard Campbell and Dr. Ledesma, I think her name is. And they go to I think somewhere in Malaysia, they go into the jungles to hunt down this rare variety of white mango that, you know, is extremely rare and endangered because of deforestation. And they've and it's very perishable, so they they're going out talking to locals, and they hunt down this. They get scion, they get cuttings, and they've got to rush it back to the Fairchild's Garden in Florida and get it through you know customs and security, and and they almost don't make it. It's it's it, it's really well done. So if you're into you know collecting rare rare fruits and rare foods, I think people would appreciate it. Huh. I'll have to I'll have to check that out. And oh, and it's free on YouTube. The the version I saw on YouTube that was for free was. Pretty low quality, though, in terms of the resolution. So I think it might be available on Vimeo or some of the other streaming platforms. Yeah, and that's that's maybe something to mention is that sometimes when when these docs are on YouTube, it's not at the express permission of the owner. And so I usually try to check to see if there's a way that I can buy it directly from the person who made it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's uh, kind of frustrating to do because it's either not it's it's not like click away. You kind of have to go to their personal website and like yeah it, it's it's not the easiest thing but um often you can buy it directly from itunes which is weird i mean if you don't have a mac then <laughs> itunes has helped me in a few different circumstances yeah that's a good point so uh what what's next mushrooms bees permaculture climate right so let's see we we touched on soil we touched on farming all right after the the plants grow the bees Bees pollinate. I'm trying to come up with a, a flow for this. Let's see if this. Let's see if I can stick the landing here. So um, I haven't seen too many of of the documentaries on on pollinators, at least the ones that uh, you have written down here. So you want to take this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, moving on to the the, the bees. Moving away from you know we talked about the farming and now we got the bees. About you know o- over ten years ago around 2009 to like 2013 there was a lot of conversation about colony collapse disorder about eurasian honeybees and why suddenly honeybee hives were just petering out or queens were flying off and disappearing and people and pe- people whose incomes were related to this incredible industry of shipping bees all over the country were really confused 
I kind of forgot about it for a few years, you know, between like 2015 and 2019. Like it just didn't seem like that it was making the news anymore, I guess. And then suddenly there was a documentary that came out in 2019 called The Pollinators, which is on Amazon Prime, that really kind of addressed the quote unquote problem and all of the things that the industry had done to resolve the quote unquote problem. So the original documentaries that I saw back in the day, back in like 2010 era, were Vanishing of the Bees, which came out in 2009, and a documentary called More Than Honey, which came out in 2012. Both of those right now are on Plex, uh, which I believe they have ads, and also they're on like rotational streaming services. But The Pollinators is interesting because it's a, very, it's a documentary that came out much more recently, and it is very similar to the documentaries that came out over a decade ago, but it shows how crazy the system of these people who drive around the country pollinating all of the crops that feed the world the apiarists maybe the industrial bee industry maybe i don't i don't yeah these are the eurasian honeybees that are put into boxes and then brought from one crop to the next all across this the growing season starting in like california and then getting brought back and forth across the country on flatbed trucks at nighttime to pollinate everything from almonds to blueberries. They're really essential in terms of getting food on grocery store shelves. Like without these bees, the sort of like consumer system in the United States as we know it wouldn't exist. Wow. It's really crazy to like to watch this documentary and see, to see when they're talking about like, oh yeah, we used to have a hive and the queen would live in the hive for several years. And now they have queens on deck like constantly to swap in and out because the hives last like a single season and then start to fail and they take the queen out and put in a new queen or the or there's there's just all these different factors that are coming together from you know being exposed to pesticides and different mites and things that are it's like a trifecta of of things that are trying to kill the bees and the hives just being like shipped around the country as like your full-time job <laughs> i gotta imagine it's really stressful for for a bee colony for sure and you know these bees are being set forth and set loose in monocultures where they're being exposed to all sorts of nasty neonicotinoids and other things that are just really really terrible for a bee to be exposed to it's an eye-opening documentary and it just kind of goes to show you that the monoculture is not the answer but also the parts of the documentary that really stood out to me were the farmers who were saying, like, if I could not spray my crops and the consumers were okay with ha with buying an apple that has a few spots on it or, you know, is bruised or doesn't look like the shiny red, golden, delicious, then I would stop spraying because it cost me a lot of money to do that. Like, I don't necessarily want to spray, but I feel like I have to is kind of the, the story that a lot of them were saying. Sure. A lot of the argument of permaculture folks is that like is the answer and the the industry is all about spraying and blah blah blah. but the, really that's not the case it's like the farmer wants to bring down their bottom line and they don't necessarily want to spend all this money on chemicals and all these money on these ridiculous practices but they feel like they have to because that's what the market demands and so at the end of the day it's like just be more okay with eating fruit that looks a little suspect and is probably fine <laughs> it doesn't need to look shiny and golden true yeah, I don't know. You haven't seen any documentaries that are about po pollinators or bees? It, it was a big deal for a while. Not in a while. I mean, I think I watched or maybe listened to some podcasts and interviews with, you know, apiarists or, or bee experts, but I'm trying to, I'm racking my brain. I don't think I, I've watched a, a documentary about the pollinators. 
All right, so should we talk about some of the gen the general climate stuff before we go into permaculture and then mushrooms? Sure. Around the idea of climate, really, kind of, there's kind of a theme of, of the stuff that I that I'm talking about in this documentary sphere. The climate uh, is really related to water, water resources, and then also there's one that is more holistic and talks about like general regenerative practices and about sort of impending doom and climate catastrophe in general. So to start with the water, this is, once again, going back to the 2009-2010 era, there's two documentaries that really stood out to me. One of them is called Tapped. came out in 2009. You can find it on YouTube or in rotational streaming services. And the other one's called Last Call at the Oasis, and that came out in 2011, also available on rotational streaming services. And just a note here that when I say rotational streaming services, all I mean is any streaming service that has different media changing and appearing and disappearing like and you know any of the major streaming services will have this documentary for a period of time and then it'll jump to another one and to another one so um so tapped is really crazy it uh is a documentary about nestle and i believe it takes place in maine and basically it's about the bottled water companies who pop up a pumping station in the middle of rural america and sell bottled water from the the pumping station or the, the the facility that they create and these facilities literally like deplete the groundwater of the communities that surround them wow and these rural communities people just suddenly they're just their wells dry up and they don't have access to city sewer and their only option is to then buy water directly from the people who stole it from them and it is so crazy <laughs> like is yeah it's insane it, this documentary never like blew up you know it wasn't one that tons of people know about but anytime i see someone with like a poland spring water bottle i just want to like i'm just like oh <laughs> just like tell them the name of the documentary it's like watch tap download code yeah it's just like <laughs> just go home and watch tapped and buy a reusable water bottle mm -hmm. i mean bottled water has its use in you know uh disaster relief and that kind of stuff but yeah god it is uh it is alarming and it'll just there's some people i feel like that just get all of their water they just go out every week and buy a case of bottled water put it in their fridge and just drink eight of them a day you know it's like oh that's so wasteful yeah um i mean some people who don't i can't, I can't hang out with those people <laughs> i mean i mean some people don't don't have potable water in their home and they need to do that and that makes sense but anyway so yeah tapped is one to check out for sure another one is called last call at the oasis it's from 2011 i think this is a documentary that really stands out in terms of like a lot of the documentary is set in the West in California and Las Vegas and the like alarm bells were ringing, but this was before some of the drought and the fires really got as crazy as they are today. And so going back and watching it is sort of just like a, wow, how could we have been so stupid? <laughs> or like, how is, how is just the, you know, the problem just still is not being addressed and maybe a little depressing, but yeah, that's that's the other part of these documentaries. They can influence us in the present, but also the as they age, we can go back and look at you know what was this? Were these problems that we saw coming? And the, usually the answer is yes. At least someone thought, saw the problems coming and predicted the state we're in today. Yeah, oddly, at the end of the, I mean, we're talking. It talks about water conservation, and at the end of the documentary, there's like proposals for making bottled water that is recycled water, so like water that has been treated. Mm -hmm. uh, and they get Jack Black to try to sell it to people. <laughs> oh, that's random. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. But 
yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's worth checking out. I mean, water is uh, going to be the most important resource or already is the most important resource in the rest for in our world for the rest of our lives. So, yeah, I know there's there's some vineyards in California now that, well, as we speak, California is very wet. There's a lot of rain. But in general, these last couple of years that they actually truck in water, not even with irrigation through like uh, municipal water, they're actually like trucking in. And it, it just seems like a sign of the times, right? Like, yeah, pretty alarming. Yeah. The last recommendation I have is a, and, and so those two are like somewhat easy to find. This last one uh, is called Tomorrow, and I was only able to find it via purchasing it directly from the folks who made it. It was, I believe, made by some French filmmakers. It came out in 2015, and it is a little depressing inherently. Like these do these documentaries about climate are going to be a little depressing. I think it's still important to watch, and it talks about everything from you know, like peak oil and 2040 being this date of looming potential catastrophe and what it's like to raise children in the world that exists today and wondering about whether or not they are going to have the same opportunities that we have and how many species are going to be extinct by the time that they're our age. Lots of scary things. But it also talks about regenerative agriculture. It talks about some some sort of adjacencies to regenerative practices, which I thought were really interesting, like mm -hmm. the communities that have local currencies. So like the whole idea that if you have, instead of just using your credit card at your local department store or bar or whatever, you would have like, I currently live in Middletown, Connecticut. So let's say I had a Middletown, Connecticut card and I put money on that card. When I swipe it, it's something I can only spend money on in Middletown, Connecticut. And the idea is the money just kind of rotates throughout the community. Yeah. And in that way, you, you strengthen your community. And it gives examples of different local type currencies throughout the world that like survived the market crash of 2008 because they weren't reliant on a globalized system. Just the idea of resilience, you know, that is something that we talk about so often in regenerative practices at an entirely different context. I don't know, that, that part really stood out to me. And in general, it just, it's kind of holistic. It covers a lot of different bases of a lot of different methods of maybe like, okay, this is how we plan for the future. So definitely one to, to check out. It does require, I think that you'll probably have to buy it directly like on iTunes for 10 bucks or whatever, but it's worth it. Yeah, that one sounds really interesting. I'm going to put that on my list. My ever-growing list of documentaries to watch. <laughs> yeah. And I would say you have all the time because it's winter and it's cold, but you live in California, so it's not the case. It's actually very, very rainy here, and, and there's literally nothing to do because things are closed. People don't want to go outside. I don't want to go outside. Can't even bike. So, yeah, this is a good time of year to, to knock some off the list. Gotcha. Buckle down. Yeah. Okay, so let's, do, let's dive into the permaculture stuff before we finish off with our mushroom docs. Sure. Okay, uh, do you want to talk about any of these? Because I know that you've seen at least some of the ones on the list. Yeah, I mean, I, I, for for me, one of the most, I wouldn't say these are the most like influential ones in terms of me making the decision to sort of focus my life more on environmental uh, issues and, and food production, but one that was just very informative and, and honestly, also just pretty to, to watch, just very pleasing, is the Woodlanders documentary. It's a, it's a whole series. And I'm pulling up the list right now. I mean, you know, it it's ties in so well to the things that we talk a lot about in, in this podcast, but it takes a completely global perspective, but it does focus, you know, mostly on uh, temperate uh, climate uh, woodland and forest. And it specifically is about how 
people interact with the woodland environments. And typically that looks like using them for food production or for basket materials or building materials. And it really dives into the cultural practices around the world, whether it's Japan or uh, the UK or the US. And they're filmed extremely well, uh, really great cinematography and great interviews and, and background information. There's, there's ones on uh, chestnut cooperatives and the Hickory Nut Growers Society, which I didn't even know was a thing. That, you'd think that that would be part of my network. There's ones that are on like, coppice agroforestry in Europe, which goes, which goes back, you know, millennia, even like Japanese leaf arrangement where they, you know, go out and collect leaves from, from the, the woods or for floral arrangements. Yeah. There's like maybe 20 or 30 episodes. You know, every time I see, every time I saw a new one, I don't think they've had any new ones for a couple of years, but back when they were releasing them, I'd, I'd watch them immediately because they were so interesting. Yeah, no, that, that series is also a favorite of mine. Specifically, I think my favorite was the, the acorn harvest episode where the, the creator, his name is Costa Butsukaris. Yeah. But we've talked about the work that he makes and about woodlanders before on this podcast. The acorn harvest one is like set in Europe and the acorns are harvested to make flour and the storage practices that they use to store the acorns I found it to be really interesting because like the flower itself doesn't have a really long shelf life, but you can store the acorns for a long period of time before processing them into flower. And just the trees themselves were beautiful. And the, the, the caps, like the acorn caps were beautiful. And I don't know, it just got me excited about acorns in general are like an area that I haven't really gotten that into, <laughs> but the specific species that they talk about in that episode uh, apparently is you know hardy to zone six. So I could theoretically be growing it. For me, there was one called the, the Swedish Fabod forest culture. The, the standout part of that episode was how this culture in Sweden, like traditionally would use, they'd either use 100% or some sort of mix of 50-50 of white flour, and they would use tr like pulverized tree bark to make their bread. So they'd go out and, and uh, make a loaf of bread using a certain species of pine or, or spruce that they have growing. And they'd turn it into a powder and, and be cooking with it and make cookies or, or breads with it. And I thought that was like so next level. I was like, I, I would have never thought to do that. And I really want to try. I also want to just shout out the episode about the uh, Chestnut Cooperative, which is about the Route 9 Cooperative. Mm -hmm. As I'm sure our listeners know, we're both chestnut nerds. And so that, that episode in particular really stood out. Costa is even more potentially more well-known for being the person who made the Inhabit a permaculture perspective documentary, which came out in 2015. The Woodlander series, which before we before we get ahead of myself here, Woodlander series came out in 2017. All of those are available to see on Vimeo, and they're free. There's a different documentary that's being worked on. I didn't realize it was the same. I didn't realize it was the same creator for both of those. And you said he he's working on a another documentary now. Indeed, yeah, it's in collaboration with Regenerative Design Group out of Western Massachusetts. So it's it's on uh, Silvopasture, but it it's pre-release. You know, it, it'll be out in a year or two, maybe. Oh, that that's so exciting! Yeah, I'm excited. I'll have to ask Jono and some of the people over there about it. I haven't, I haven't, I don't really know that much about it to be honest. But yeah, so Inhabit a Permaculture Perspective came out in 2015. This is one that you can buy either through Vimeo or through iTunes. It's like $10 and you can actually like just get a download copy to have forever, which I th find really valuable because then you can show it to your family 
But the Inhabited Permaculture Perspective documentary is a really, really great place to start for folks, especially that live in the Northeast or in New York or in anywhere that is like kind of a temperate region. It, the, the documentary really focuses on a lot of, a lot of people who actually have been featured on this podcast, or at least several of them. I'm looking at the list right now. It's like some familiar, familiar names. Yeah. They interview Lisa DiPiano, mm-hmm. who's a friend of mine and someone that we interviewed. They feature Eric. Last semester, yeah. They, they interview Eric Tonesmeyer, who's also someone who we had on, someone who you have known for many years. So yeah, it's it's really, it's really a, the in, kind of, in my opinion, like the best permaculture, in quotes, permaculture documentary out there, especially for the Northeast. I mean, it covers everything from mm-hmm. urban practices, like Andrew Faust, who's big in New York and the permaculture scene. And they, like, it goes everything from urban to suburban to more rural communities and travels, not just, you know, it moves outside to other areas of, of the country. Mark Shepard is interviewed and you get to see his property and it's, it's just really a fantastic film all around. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's like, it, it came out before the Woodlander series. Woodlanders is more about like forestry practices in general. So it's not specific to the idea of regenerative design Inhabit is, is really where it's at and it's worth, it's worth buying for sure. It's the documentary too that I was referring to that has some of the best music. I think they honestly it was probably the same composer for Inhabit and the Woodlanders documentary. Like everyone who hasn't seen it, like watch the watch the trailer for Inhabit Permaculture Perspective and tell me you don't get, you know, fired up to to plant things after watching it. Just like the the, the way they edit that together and the, the background music is is it's great. Okay, so I just have two more to to recommend here. These next two are are shorter. One of them is Permaculture, the documentary, How It Started, and it came out in 2020. It's on YouTube. I believe it was like a preamble to what's supposed to be what was supposed to be a really long or you know two hour long uh, documentary about the origins of permaculture, but the creator just hasn't finished it or maybe is taking a pause or something, but What's, what's available right now on YouTube, it's like a 20-minute video. It's an interview with David Holmgren, who is one of the, you know, along alongside Bill Mollison, was someone who kind of co-originated the concept of permaculture, which uh, really, permaculture really is like borrowing from all these other different things that were established for much longer periods of time. I mean, you could go back to the 20s when people were writing about tree crops and regenerative practices, utilizing tree crops in America, and indigenous peoples who've practiced regenerative types of agriculture and forestry for millennia. The documentary I just thought was interesting because it goes into, it's really in depth on the the zone system of design, specifically at David Holmgren's and his partner's house in Australia, I believe. It's just, it's edited well. It's, it's not super long and it's in depth enough and gives you kind of a slice of, of what the permaculture zone idea is supposed to look like. And it would have been great to talk about during in like the first episode we ever released when we were describing what the zone system was and just be like, wait a minute, go watch this, go watch this video because it, it has a nice video showing all. And, and Mike, can, can you say the name of the documentary one more time? Yeah, it's uh, Permaculture: The Documentary, How It Started. Okay. And it's just available on YouTube. It's a it's a short clip basically. It's it's supposed to be like a teaser to, I believe it was like a crowd crowdfunded documentary, but the the creator 
hasn't completed it, and maybe they never will. I don't know. Uh, it's been three years now, but uh, maybe it'll be dropping next week. Hmm. I have no idea. And in addition to that, there's also regenerative films. There's, I mean, there's lots of there. There are several different kind of YouTube channels like Happen Films, and uh, and several others that cover a lot of different topics. But sometimes the the quality is sort of hit or miss. Regenerative films on YouTube, I have to say, the quality is pretty good. The other day, I watched a piece that they made about somebody who is in Wales doing duck egg production in a regenerative format, where they have you know geese mowing the lawn and they have ducks uh, that get let loose every day, and they have blueberries. It wasn't like this like crazy food forest with like you know lots of really rare tree crops and whatnot, but it was still interesting. And I'm a big fan of ducks uh, in. <laughs> And I mean, most people who are interested in the topics and the stuff we talk about are interested in ducks. Yeah, I don't think I've seen this this one before, the Regenerative Films channel. It almost makes me think we should do another episode on like our favorite YouTube channels because I, I know we have we have quite a few. Yeah, yeah, that would be that could be its own episode for sure. Sometimes I try to stra- I try to try to stay away from recommending people YouTube stuff because it's, it can be really kind of all over the board. But this is this is one that you know is pretty pretty high quality, pretty entertaining, and. They only have like five or six different little episodes out, so worth checking out. You definitely do. You have any about in the permaculture realm that you want to talk about? For me, I think what some of the more influential permaculture docs were uh, Jeff Lawton's. Uh, he he had a weird system where he didn't post them on YouTube, but he had them on his website, and you had to sort of sign in. I don't I don't think there was any sort of fee involved, but uh, it was kind of proprietary. Maybe since this is maybe 2016, 2017. Maybe since now he's he's released them on some streaming platforms, but he he did some really interesting ones on the design of Zaytuna farms in Australia, and he I think he went to some other sites. Like I know he came to see Eric's you know homestead in in Massachusetts, and he did an episode there. He I think I want to say it was at least twenty or thirty different different episodes that are that were hosted on his website that were pretty influential to me. Yeah, like I said, people. I think we talked a little bit about greening the desert earlier, and he, so he has notoriety in the permaculture worlds from that documentary. As far as documentaries go, that's one of the more famous ones that he has. But he's got these little mini docs of other projects that he's done around the world, or or ones that he's either been involved with or was just visiting to learn about. And so I, I feel like I learned a lot from from those documentaries. Yeah, I've never seen any of those, and my my impression was that they were sort of intentionally kind of harder to access which is yeah I they are. <laughs> I, I, yeah i don't know i, I have i sort of have a uh, ethical problem with that i feel like a lot of this information just be, should be like freely out there and available but well i mean it, it was still free it was just like he wanted to get your email before and but i mean hey you know if you post if you want to you know post things on youtube you've got to you know sign up with a corporate megalith so nothing nothing's really freely distributed right now and the the one you were talking about where he came to um Paradise Lot, that is available. That that you can just watch that for free on YouTube, and I believe it's on either Jonathan Bates' okay. Food Forest Farm channel or Eric's channel. Um, I don't remember what it's called, but if you just search like Jeff Lawton, Holyoke, Massachusetts, it'll probably it'll probably come up. Great. Okay, so yeah, so the last our last topic here for this uh, winter documentary episode is the topic of mushrooms. Do you want to talk about the more notable documentary here? I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah, Fantastic Fungi. That's one I feel like, again, it, it was really nice that it, it got into the, the more, what do you call it, the zeitgeist, the cultural zeitgeist, like more people had, had watched that movie because it was available, maybe not in like 
major theaters, but uh, most independent theaters around the country were, were showing it. And even people outside of my group of friends that are into growing food or into permaculture were, went out and, and watched it. One of those that's like just, you know, has a lot of eye candy. It's got some great shots of, of time-lapse video of different species of mushrooms growing. And there's actually like a behind the scenes documentary of how they were able to get those shots. And by the way, as you can tell, I, I, I don't just enjoy the content of these documentaries. I also really like the, the way they produce them. So that's why I'm commenting on, so much on the, the production value of, of them. But it, the nice thing about Fantastic Fungi is it goes into pretty much every realm of, of the usefulness of, of fungi or the, or the relationship of fungi to people. And there, or even not even just to people, the relationship of fungi to the forests and to the other kingdoms of life. So they talk about you know the mycelial network and in forests. They talk about the ability of uh, the uh, mycoremediation, so the ability of, of fungi to turn chemical contaminate, contaminated sites into safer safer environments and allow for restoration efforts to work. You know, they talk about the nutritional value. They talk about the medicinal value of the, the psilocybin mushrooms, too. Really, they cover all the different facets. They, and they, they talk with experts in the field from each one of those different disciplines. Um, it's just a very, very well-rounded, well-made documentary. What do you think about it, Mike? Yeah, no, I, I agree uh, 100%. I, I, like, really, the scope of the amount of people who were able to access it, I think, was, you know, is really important. It, like you said, like it, it toured and also just it was a documentary that when it popped up on streaming services, every got, everyone got really excited about it. Even people who might not, like you said, be super clued into this sort of realm of interest, you know, came out in like 2019, available usually on Netflix, but it once again rotates from streaming service to streaming service. And I cried the first time I watched it because it, the like you said, the production value is just so incredible. And the visuals are so incredible. I should mention I cried not on any sort of substance or whatever. This is purely just, you know, just me in the room. When they talked about the mycelial network and the way that mushrooms can sort of heal humans and heal, so I almost felt like heal, like it, like the way that mushrooms could heal humanity, it just really kind of got to me. There's a moment in it where the sort of star of the show, Paul Stamets, talks about the uh, experience of finding out that his mother had cancer and then how she had the opportunity to sign up for an experimental turkey tail regiment adjuvant therapy or, or something where you 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 take a, a, a alternative medicine or alternative approach in conjunction with the traditional chemo yeah and so she was just taking turkey tail in a capsule a couple times a day he said you know my mother was told that she had a certain amount of time to live and then he pulls her out on stage and she's here today and he says I love you mom and it just really hits home in terms of like wow you know this uh the things that we know about mushrooms and the impact that they can have yeah on human health it's just it's just astounding like Ben said the the it's the beautiful film the production value is through the roof and that's kind of hit or miss for some of the stuff we're recommending today especially some of the older documentaries you know some of them I feel like they're more of an academic kind of thing, but this one is definitely like, if I could have seen it in theaters, I would have. Another one that is along the lines of mushrooms, this documentary is, but it's not specific to mushrooms, but it's similar. And it certainly sim like is along the same lines of being that blockbuster status is uh, How to Change Your Mind, which came out this past year. 
Michael Pollan, you know, talking about how psilocybin and other compounds can heal people. Definitely one to check out if you really, if you liked Fantastic Fungi. Oh, yeah. Following it up with How to Change Your Mind would be a good one, also on Netflix. The last one I'm going to recommend here from the mushroom category is The Last Season, which came out in 2014. Much more of a smaller indie, you've probably never heard of it, documentary. I believe you can. it's only available to purchase directly through iTunes, or you might see it on like your local PBS station every once in a while. And this one is interesting. It's once again about the relationships of people and mushrooms, which seems like a, a theme here of just, you know, uh, also, I mean, people are in closer, more closely related to mushrooms than many other kingdoms, so maybe it makes sense. But it's about Matsutake and the Matsutake harvest that happens in the Pacific Northwest and about these people who supplement their income by going out and foraging for Matsutake mushrooms and bringing them to people who then sell them. It, it's really kind of a, once again, kind of a tearjerker. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have a happy ending. It's, I mean, Matsutake is, has a huge culture around it, but I didn't know that it was forged for in America. You know, who would, do, who would have known that there's a culture surrounding foraging for Matsutake in like Oregon. Huh. So definitely one to check out. Maybe a little bit more niche, a little bit, you know, you have, if you're into mushroom foraging or if you have, if you grew up in a culture that um, is mycophilic, uh, definitely, you know, valuable. Is the, the Matsutake, the reason why it's so popular is, is it the, it's got a really strong aroma or something like that? There's like a characteristic about it that makes people go crazy for it, right? Well, so yes, they are famous for their smell, but beyond that, it's a very expensive fungus. It, it's one that can reach, uh, you know, it, it can cost like a thousand dollars for a kilogram in Japan. And so in Japan, people go out and they um, forage for it. But I believe it's just a choice edible. Um, I'm not sure if there's like, I, once again, I'm, I'm not a mushroom expert <laughs> uh, by any means. Yeah, I was I was under the impression that it's just being sought after for its edibility. It probably has some medicinal compounds too, but I'm not aware. Yeah, I think it's a status symbol too. It's like you just you give it as a gift, and like it shows that you're, and you display it, and it shows how wealthy you are. Yeah, maybe I, I I don't I don't know, but it does have an entire. I mean, there's a big obsession around Matsutake in Japan and and elsewhere. And then lastly, I, I guess I, I kind of forgot about this documentary to include in our list, and I'm not really sure where it would fit exactly. I guess it'd just be around like food in general and people's relationships to food. But I, I just thought of it because we talked about the Michael Pollan, How to Change Your Mind. The Botany of Desire. Have you seen that? Uh, yes. Yeah, I read the book, I think, originally. And then, oh, no, maybe I watched the documentary first and then read the book. But either way, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good one. So yeah, it came out in 2009, available on Amazon Prime and maybe on other streaming services, probably jumps around. And it's just really incredible in terms of people's relationships to plants. And it, it goes through four different plants. It talks about tulips, it talks about potatoes, it talks about cannabis, and it talks about apples. And apples, for me, was the standout in terms of like, it talks about Johnny Appleseed and about how people in uh, North America their relationship to the apple and how it changed over time and how prohibition and, and hard drink was a big factor. And then, you know, tulips, it talks, it talks about the tulip bust and 
boom and I don't know it's, it's just very very interesting in terms of the extremes that people will go to for plants and for all these different reasons and it's the only documentary that touches on like plant domestication and plant breeding which is you know, something I'm really interested in and the main takeaway I, I, I had for from that documentary or that book is that you know we think when we're doing any tree crop improvement or plant breeding that we're using we're manipulating the plant to do what we want for the our own benefit but it actually works both ways because you could say that the the plants are using us to spread more widely around the world um, so it's it again just dives into that that complex relationship between people and, and the natural world yeah for sure that's definitely one of the the uh, similarly i had the same sort of takeaway especially when when he talks about potatoes and how the effort that he would go to to plant potatoes every year and how gardening is like this quest for control and he realized wait a minute maybe it's the potato controlling me <laughs> <laughs> yeah so right, right really really cool stuff yeah that'll probably wrap us up though for the uh, winter stuff stuff to watch and alongside your uh, crackling fire unless unless you can think of any last minute additions uh no i don't think so well We'll have to just uh, save them for the next episode, but maybe we'll do a, a YouTube one if you're up to it. Yeah, 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 for sure. One on YouTube, right. our favorite YouTube channels. Thank you for sticking with us, everyone. And we hope that you enjoy watching some of this very long list of films. And if you can, always support the people who made them. Try to, try to find the uh, creators and buy it directly from them if you can. Agreed. Until next time. Take care, everyone. All right. 